Good morning. My wife was walking around the block this morning, and as I was heading out, I rolled down my window, and she goes, what are you preaching on today? And I go, I forgot. (laughs) I totally forgot. (laughs) I thought that was kind of funny. You guys probably don't think that's funny, but... (laughs) You know, uh, I probably should come off as more responsible. Um, I am responsible. (laughs) Um, But, you, you know, we don't have to live a phony Christian life. Do you know that? We don't, have to, we don't have to pretend we're greater or um, any different than we really are. Um, as I was going over my notes to remind myself, I mean, I was working on it last night, but I, you know, we had the funeral up there this, uh, this um, yesterday, and, you know, I, I kind of did a memory clear last night. I was just saying, okay, Lord, I just want to have my heart just clean before you, and that's kind of where I was. And so this morning, I... I knew I'd have to get reacquainted with where I was going. But this is a message I believe is really from God's heart. I was going in one direction at the beginning of the week, and um, I just wasn't certain where the Lord wanted to go with it. And uh, um, the Lord gave me a real direction today. Um, I call this an unlimited life. How many like that title? It's, it's really, it really is the heart of this scripture. It's, it's there's really two parts of this scripture in Luke 5 and also in John 21 where uh, Jesus reenacts this whole scene with his disciples and it's the one where he is um, he's basically they've been fishing all night and they don't catch anything and he's busy teaching them and you know he tells them to go out in the water again and of course they catch an abundance of fish and later on after he resurrects the same thing happens and he basically tells them to go out, and then he tells them, you know, go, they don't catch anything, and then he tells them, hey, put your nets on the other side of the boat, and then they catch um, a ton of fish. And I think this is really the connection where you can do the same thing over and over and over again, but until God has you do it, you can catch no fish at all. You can work so hard, and, and it just comes up futility. And you know, I was really reading all the way up at the beginning of Mark, the beginning of Luke, the beginning of John. I was going through the beginning of the books. And I was just, a couple things caught my eye. And, and that was how Jesus was getting up and spending all this solitary time by himself. And that kind of leads into this story because he spent the first five chapters of Luke and the first seven or eight chapters of Mark trying to be unnoticed. And, and, and I, I always wonder about that because I think churches, uh, you know, in general, are always trying to be noticed. Like you know, people put advertising and, you know, we're the cool church and it's in the Draper paper or whatever it is. And, you know, and I see the value of it because people will see it. But I, I always believe that God's going to build his kingdom, don't you? Yes. And I thought it pretty unusual or surprising in my mind, although I'd read it many times before and even thought about it before, but it hit me different this time when he was healing one of the lepers and, and he tells him, he says, hey, you're clean now. And he says, go tell the Pharisees and the Sadducees that you're, that you're clean. He says, but don't tell them about me. Just you know, give them the testimony that you were talking to somebody. He's basically telling them what to do. And he says, don't spread it around. And it says that as soon as he got into town, he spread it around so much so 
that Jesus wasn't able to enter in that town. And, and, and Jesus was irritated by it. He says he was indignant about it. And, um, and right before that, so I backed up a little bit previously, and it says that he was trying to get by, by his, alone, and then his disciples started hounding him down, and they found him, and they said, Jesus, so they said, everybody's looking for you. And, and then he, he said, you know, I, I did, I came to preach and teach, but, you know, once his reputation spread out, he wasn't able to go down and meet one-on-one with the people like he wanted to. There was a lot of one-on-one ministry that he wanted to, to perform. And I, I thought one thing it tells you about the intimacy of Jesus with the Father and how much power you get with just being with the Father alone. I think people underestimate that. They always see spending time with God as some sort of religious duty that you have to do or it's what Christians do or it's you're a church person, so of course you've got to spend time with the Lord. And I, I could do sermons all day long. The three things you do, you pray and you spend time with the Lord and you worship the Lord and then people write it down and they'll set it in their schedule and do it. But there's something about being rebirthed and re- being reborn and actually having the Spirit of God in you that compels you toward those things. It makes you want to do these things. You don't need the list. You don't need someone to say that it's a duty. It just becomes something that you want to do because you see the value of who they are. You know, it's like, you know, Jody will say, hey, do you want to go get dinner with me? I'm like, yes. Because it's fun hanging out with Jody Van Reed. Did you know that? (laughs) She is interesting. She's always got stuff going on. Her and I are really, really different. She's much more social than I am. It's not that I'm not social. I spend time with people, but not as much as Jody does. You know what I mean? And she'll be, she's witnessing to someone and praying. It's just like, I want to spend time with her. I don't have to have somebody telling me that I have to. How many catch my drift here? And I, and I do think that there's something organic about our relationship with God that compels that. And here you have Jesus who's spending time with the Father and then getting nourished. His disciples are just so worried about the world and everything that's going on with it. Everybody needs you and this is what you need to do. And Jesus, you need to do that. And and Jesus just stays on course, but he also yields to the needs. He wants to answer the needs, and he answers and heals all those that come to him. But he's got a mission to preach and teach the good news of the gospel, that he's going to bring salvation and deliverance to to make a different outcome of eternity for mankind. This is a pretty powerful mission, don't you think? And, And there's a result to it. The result of that grand mission is a group of people that get to be intimate with the living God forever, for eternity. God brings us into the fellowship with his spirit so that we can be with him throughout eternity with absolutely no end and nothing can stand in its way. If that isn't the greatest thing in the world, then I don't know what good news is. I mean, I'm a Minnesota Viking fan, and I really want them to do well. And every year I watch the training camp. They always show these one-minute, three-minute videos of the new, what's going on with the tight ends and what's going on with whatever. And I follow a few other teams, too. I like the Steelers, and, you know, and there's a few teams I don't like, Patriots. And anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like Tom Brady. I have a bunch of jokes, but I won't use them. But, um, you know, but no matter, even if they do well, and even if I'm excited about it, it never is as great as I think it's going to be. 
Like, 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 you know, you have this team and you're rooting for it and it wins and you go, yeah, and you go, oh, that's it. But I'll tell you what, God has never disappointed me in that. God is powerful and he is powerful and he is intimate and he is real. He's a being and he has personality and he has heart and he has relationship. And sometimes I wish I could just take what I know about him and pass it out. And it's, it's hard, you know, when I, when I see young believers, I'm encouraged because I always feel like they have so much they can learn. It's harder sometimes with older believers because they know everything already. You know what I mean? I, they, they know everything already, so they, it's hard to teach. What do you teach someone who knows everything already? But I'm telling you that the vastness of God is much grander and greater than you think. He's, he's so incredible. So amazing. Amen? And w- just leading up to this story is you have Jesus spending time by himself and then his goal of preaching and teaching to the crowds. And he brings some healing. He heals the, the, the guy with the mat where they all bring him in, you know, the, the one guy who's crippled, and he heals him. And then, you know, the guy by the pool, who, you know, who can't get to it, but, you know, to the healing pool and touch the right things. He can't do all the right dues, and Jesus heals him anyway. And there's, he gets the big accusation then in chapter 4, right before this, where they say to him, he goes, man, you're hanging out with all the tax collectors and the sinners, and, and I thought, who is the ones that are always going after Jesus? Isn't it the religious people? That's, I mean, do you ever see the, like, you know, the head stoner is coming after Jesus? I mean, are, are, do the prostitutes ever gather together and go, we're coming after Jesus? It's always the religious people, isn't it? Do I hear an amen? amen? Some of you go, that's me. I better not say amen. <laughs> right? L- listen, I-, I just find that so amazing. You know, it's so, that is so amazing to me that it's the religious leaders that are always coming against them. They don't like the fact that he's hanging around with the tax collectors, which is like the lower class citizen, definitely not popular, and the sinners, meaning the prostitutes and the partiers, the no good, the deadbeats. He's spending his time there, and it just doesn't look good in our culture. It doesn't look good in our society. I'm not saying he went to them and said, keep on getting stoned. No, that's not what he said. He was bringing them to himself, but he was not intimidated by it. And so when we get to this place, it's going to be so profound because he's going to get to the, they call Lake Genesaret. It's basically, you know, the Sea of Galilee. It's another name. It's also called Lake Tiberias. It's a, like a 13 by 8 mile lake. It's, it's, you know, reasonably big sized. And He's going to go there and he's going to preach to the crowds and then they're going to kind of start mobbing in on him because they want to hear the word. They want to hear him the word. They want to hear the words that he's teaching because it's attractive to them. The crowds are attracted to the word. They were never attracted to the Pharisees. They were not attracted to the Sadducees. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees argued about all kinds of theology matters. Was there a resurrection? Wasn't here? When do the end times come? When it won't? When are there? When are the details over there? How should we politically be active with, you know, with, you know, with, with Rome? Should we interpass? They couldn't have cared less about that. But when Jesus actually just brought the word of God, 
They were hungry. May our church change. Amen? Amen. May we become those that are relevant to the people and trust that if we just preach the word of God, it'll actually be attractive to people because God's spirit is bringing it. Amen? Amen. Thank you, six people, for being excited about it. You are the future. You are the future. The rest of you, hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) You can never say I'm not honest up here because I am. (laughs) It's the only way that I know how to be. The ending of this story is grand. Um, more grand, more grand than you'll catch at first sight. But let me read it. It's Luke five one. I'm going to go one through eleven. I don't have it up there because I want you to listen to it. If you want to follow it, you're welcome to in, in your scriptures. But I just want you to listen to it if you would. So here he is up to the Sea of Galilee, and he's with his disciples. He's James, John, Peter, Simon, Peter, and, and about probably the, the rest of the twelve are there. Or most of them. Doesn't list all of them. And the crowds are coming in. So one day as Jesus was standing by the lake or the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Because they're, they're washing them because they'd just gone out. They were cleaning them out, whatever they had caught. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from the shore, just a little bit, not all the way out, just just right off the shore so he could still be connected to the land. When he had finished speaking, oh, it says, then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. How many think this would be killer? (laughs) Having Jesus Christ in the boat. Right? Knowing that he, imagine the infirmities that you might have. I'd be like, can you stop for one second and heal my brain, please? How many would want God to heal your head? How many want some heart healing right now from the living God? And, and here he is on the boat just pulling off. Everyone's crowding around him. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Now, and I love this, I taught you a bunch of stuff. Now we're going to go do it. Now put out in the deep water, let the nets, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came in, and they filled both boats so full that they both began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me. Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James... And John's, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything 
and they followed him. That's a, that's a good story, isn't it? This is, this is the beginning of an unlimited life. This is a, it's an unlimited power. It's an unlimited friendship. It's, an, it's a connection to an unlimited capability, identity of a, of a non-creature, the creator. And you have a connection to him. And, and it's there he is, tangible in the flesh, but even more than they would ever know at that point. So just, uh, just getting this first part, one day he was standing there and people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. I mentioned what I wanted to say. You know, he was crowding around them. They were crowding around him, I'm sorry. And so much so that every time he had to back off, it, it said they came around him and then he would disappear out of the crowd and he'd find some private place to try to recuperate. He'd recuperate and spend time with the father. And then he'd go back out and then he'd, he'd he, at first he was able to walk right into town. But if you go four or five chapters into any of the gospels, you'll see that the, he from then on has to sneak into back ways into the town and then start connecting with people because it was so crowded, because he was so wanted. And you know what? The religious people hated that. They just couldn't stand that. Because they felt like they were the place of power. They'd kind of worked their way up the ranks and they should have a place of authority. And they were interpreting all the scriptures to see if he matched it, not in the same way that the Bereans were. The Bereans were sensing his spirit and trusting and then looking it up, sensing its truth. But these guys were just going, they were looking for ways to trap him. They were looking for ways to expose him. They, it, it says that we wanted, they wanted to trap him with his words. They wanted to catch him in some kind of lie. They wanted to trick him with the scriptures. But here you have Jesus just crowding in, and he finishes and gets up with them. And here we go. Number one, let me talk about this life of the disciple. It's an unlimited life, but watch it progress. When he had finished speaking, say it with me, he was speaking. He was speaking. He came to preach and teach. And he preached and taught the gospel. When he had finished speaking, he says to Simon, put out in the deep waters. I put down just three things that I noticed from this scripture and also from the rhythm of where this came from. We learn from Jesus and then he makes us apply it. Right? And not everybody. I understand that the crowds, when, they, when Peter and them got in the boat and they went out into the deep water, the crowds were left behind. The crowds were still on the shore. Thousands of them. They didn't all fit in the boat. Jesus went with those who were, he was calling to follow him. That's unique. We need to understand that. God has a timing in things, doesn't he? And it says, he put out in a deep water, let the nets down for a catch. Jesus knows exactly how this is going to happen. Okay? He makes the lesson. He teaches us something. We learn it. We may learn it in a group. We may learn it, you know, by ourselves. But God teaches us and he goes, hey, this is what it is. Let me learn. And we go, yeah, that's really cool. And then he looks at us and he says, by the way, now I want you to go out into deep waters like, Lord, can't we just do this in the shallow end? Lord, I need to get my armbands on with the air in it. 
So I don't want to be walking on the water like Peter. I just want the air thing so that I can kind of float in the water. I, not me. I grew, I grew up near the ocean. I was you know, swimming since I was, you know, a little kid. You know, I spent hours swimming in the ocean. But I could totally see us going, Lord, I don't want to be there. But he gives us this lesson. I call it lab time. Learn, apply, and the third one is be blessed. Do you know that they were blessed? When you apply the scriptures that God gives you, and he gives you the lesson, and it's not just a general lesson. You know, read the whole scriptures and kind of pick up something. Jesus was speaking to them. And from there, he gave them an immediate application. I I see what you learned. Now, I don't want you to stay here shallow. Go to a place where all the big fish are. That's where I want you to go. And it's kind of like go out in the deep waters. And he knows exactly that they have been there a whole time. He saw the washing of the nets. He knows that they're out there. And he knows that they haven't caught anything. That's the thing. And, you know, the scripture says don't merely listen to the word, but who knows the answer? Everyone say, say, do what it says. Do what it says. Do what it says. Because otherwise you become, James says, you you start to hear the word and you start to hear the things that God says and you become like a person who looks in the mirror and looks at himself and then as soon as you walk away you forget what you look like. It's a person, he's describing someone who doesn't understand their identity And, and the picture didn't help. You know, it's like, oh, get your hair done. Maybe put your lipstick on if you're a woman. You know, put your lipstick on, get your makeup. This is who I am. And then you walk up and you go, I don't know who I am. Well, maybe you should have looked a little deeper. How many say amen? Amen. Maybe we need to look a little deeper because God's saying that that person who knows who he is is like the person who hears that word. He knows who I am. He knows who he is. And then he wants to do it. Don't be like the person who forgets to tell her his cell phone off. It's embarrassing. The speaker will point him out. He won't know where the on and off knob is. His wife will be elbowing him. He'll never come to the church again. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Listen, learn and apply. So the life of the disciple. And, and this is what you have to understand. This is what's so important. There's a limitation of self. Do you agree with this? There's a limitation of self. Simon answered, and this is, and I can relate to this so well. In fact, I feel like my photo, if there's a concept in the dictionary somewhere, my photo for probably the biggest part of my early walk would just be in this picture. Because I would say to the Lord all the time, just like him, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I'd always be talking to God and I would be working so hard. And I'd be going, Lord, I'm working so hard. You know, when I first started pastoring, you know, I, I remember sitting with Stu Stewart and, you know, and I, we, we'd be trying, I'd be trying so hard to help build the church. Like, what do we do to help build the church? Like, you know, we probably should tell people about it and do all kinds of things. And it's like, I'd be looking at the Lord going, Lord, I worked so hard and nothing's happened. It wasn't until I really surrendered to the Lord and said, Lord, what am I trying to do? You know, you can work so hard. You can, get your, you can make your nets bigger. You can get the high-tech nets. 
And, and you, you cannot build. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. You know, I, we have the pastor desert at our house and we meet people all the time and they'll say, hey, yeah, we're thinking about coming to church. And I go, you won't get any pressure from us. If you're not supposed to be here, don't be here. Please don't be here. How many say amen? Like, please don't be here because you won't like it here. Because God wants you somewhere else. Maybe that's where you should go. There's, there's something about trusting the provision of God that God's going to bring the right thing. It's like giving. You give because, like you're losing money because you know that spiritually you're giving it to an unseen uh, uh, creature, creation. Uh, or not creation, uh, the God. You know, you're giving it to him, uh, uh, an identity, a person that you can't be seen. And yet you think and believe that you will have more money afterwards. Because to the world, you look like an idiot. Right? Don't you? And you look crazy. And, and it's like Simon Peter's going to resist it. I mean, he's worked hard all night. It's like I've been at it all the time. You know, I, I look at these movies that are out there because I, I always feel like the, the beast of Revelation represents kind of the motion of the world. Where's the motion of the world going? I don't think it's just an end time, last seven years thing. I think it's a prophetic picture all the way through time, this beast that culminates in the end. That this beast is always working. It was working during the time of Rome. It's still working now. How many know that there's a beast working now? And this beast is a representation of this movement. And I watched these movies that come out, two particular. One was called Limitless. It was a good movie. But, but, but this guy, Bradley Cooper, played the character, took this drug. And this drug opened up so he could use more parts of his body. And that's the answer that the world is looking for. There is more answer in self through chemistry. We came from chemistry. Chemistry adjusts our feelings and our emotions. So if I take more chemistry, what if there's some special chemistry that totally opens it up? Here, take the St. John wort and you'll never be depressed again. You know, here, take the... Take the vitamin C. Now, I'm not against these things. I'm just saying it's looking toward the chemistry. The answers, the fortified flesh will answer it. And it's not like they're inherently bad, but that's where their answer is. And he finally comes to the place where he knows everything, but there's a consequence because if you open it up too much, then you know he has this problem. And the other one was a movie called Lucy where this girl gets supercharged. I didn't see it all, but I just saw portions of it. And it's kind of like she... It has the same drug, and then pretty soon she's using 5% of her brain, 15%. And I, I watched the, I wanted to copy the graph that was on there because it showed the evolutionary picture that they imagined, and I wanted to see what they imagined. And, and she, finally she gets to 100% of her brain, so now she can control all time. Well, isn't that one arrogant thought? <laughs> that this little brain here could somehow electrically, through electrical impulses or some new way, control everyone else, right? Well, what about their brains? Well, they're only a 2%, 5%, so they can't control. That's their answer. That's their answer. That's, that's the limit life. That's according to the flesh. How many want an unlimited life? And I'm telling you it's connected to the one that actually has that power but doesn't have a lust for it. 
It's not a braggadocious. It's not a prideful one. It's not one that's, you know, hey, man, I'm God and I'm better than you. When God says I'm great and almighty, he's not boasting. He's merely stating its reality. I am almighty God, great, mighty, enduring love. Because you're bragging? This is who I am. I, I, I see people interviewed LeBron. They go, hey, you think you can win? And he goes, I'm LeBron James. Like, how many of you guys want to play LeBron James? How many know he's going to kick your butt left and right? <laughs> Michael Jordan comes back and, and retires, and you play against him. You are going to just look ridiculous, right? And, and I'm not saying those guys didn't brag, but I'm just saying they're just better than you. Amen? How many have met other people that are just better than you? Okay, well, here's the thing. We get to connect to the greatest, better than you, than ever. Right? Amen? And, and it's not as petty as the way I described it. <laughs> How many can say this statement before I go on to the next one? We've worked hard all night. How many can say that? You're tired, you've worked hard all night. Come on, how, how many have tried to get, overcome a sin? And you go, man, I've been working so hard. Come on, just raise your hand. Now, how many, come on, be honest. You haven't caught anything. Come on, you haven't caught anything. That's the way it is. You haven't caught anything, but you worked all day. You worked all night. There's another parable. Man, we, we worked the whole day. You're giving the same thing to the guys that barely worked. I know. Because it's my wage that's making the difference. It's my hiring. It's my recruiting. It's my call of you that makes the difference. This is what's so powerful. It's the limitation of self. And you can see it there. Worked hard all day. You know, you gave it your all for a long time and then you haven't caught anything because you got tired and you got nothing to show for it. So number three, we have to listen to Jesus. Amen? I love Simon Peter's response because you say so. Because you say so. And that's sometimes all it takes. Have you ever not wanted to forgive somebody? But the Lord says forgive, so you say, Lord, I don't want them. I'd rather punch them. <laughs> right? Have you ever plotted revenge in your own mind? <laughs> Come on, raise your hand if you plotted revenge. How f- did you ever play too far? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It, it, it's kind of like, that's what always says to me, that there is no limit to the evil that we're capable of. Right? There's no, just a little change in your upbringing, just a little release of something can turn you into who knows what. But God says to forgive, and we say, because you say so. Just say it to the Lord, say, because you say so. You know, th- this, is, this is why Peter is, has the remarkability there. Because he sees it, he says, I will, I will, I'll let down the nets. It's like I, I've, I've had the nets out there, and we had them out there all night. And they caught nothing. You know, we caught just a little scraping, not enough to make it. The, the, town, the city, town's not doing well now because no one caught any fish. We're all back here. Everyone's depending on us, and that's what you feel. Man, everyone's depending on me. I've got to get this done. You know, you're the dad. I want to provide for the family. I've been working so hard all day, all night. I've got nothing to show for it. I didn't catch anything. But because you say so, I'm going to take those same nets there's nothing new about the nets. They're the same nets. There's, you didn't have to buy new gear. Do you hear me? 
You don't have to buy new gear. Now, maybe you want new nets because you just, you, you the person who buys the net magazine, <laughs> get the latest net. On page five, we have the new techno fiber net by Google. Page six, we have the even more improved Apple net. Just kidding. I, I, I just saw a couple of you guys out there. I knew it would get you. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> I'm totally teasing. Google probably would make a better net. <laughs> Not phone, but net. <clears throat> I'm, t- I'm totally kidding. This is a total misuse of the pulpit, isn't it? I should be shunned. <laughs> Listen, there, there is something that Peter is saying that will bring us to the journey of the unlimited life. You're already connected to it because of the cross. You need to understand that. If you think somehow you're able to gain this by a special obedience or a special thing, then you've missed it. Peter is obedient, but you have to trust in the inspiration of Jesus bringing him out there and walking him to this. He is walking him to this. Jesus plays the role. This is what three things I want to just emphasize here. I need to trust God with the details of my life. When he reenacts this story in John 21, it's just the other side of the boat. They're going, they don't recognize Jesus. Is that you? Because it's the resurrected body and he's, they can't tell if it's him and he's, he's going to throw it on the other side of the net. And as soon as they do, they're going, oh, like, who are you? Why should we? And they do. And then they also they catch it and they go, it's the Lord. Understand what they're going to be blown away, what's going to provoke them to finally realize their sinfulness is the blessing of the Lord. It's the, it's the outpouring of the blessing that you're going to go, I don't need, I don't deserve this. This is not something I should get. This is how the Lord works. His kindness leads us toward the repentance. Isn't that amazing? The incredible doctrine book of Romans only uses the word metanoia, meta change, noia, nos, mind. The changing of mind, repenting. One time it uses it. One time. And it's used where the kindness of God leads you there. The Gospel of John doesn't even use that word. Metanoia, it's just revelation of who Jesus is. Such a profound thing. I need to trust God with the details of my life. The the net, it's not been renewed. It's the detail of how I work. It's my way of living. It may be your way of thinking. Maybe it's your craft. Maybe it's the thing that you use and and you've used it a million times and you're kind of looking at it and going, man, there's that stupid net. Doesn't catch anything. I need a lucky net. That's how you can feel about it. There's all kinds of ways to think about it. But I need to trust God because you say so. Just think, the blessing was just on the other side of the boat. It was literally just a a, a turning around. There was the other side of the boat. It wouldn't have been there. It isn't like it's over there. Like if they would have just done it on the other side of the boat. Do you understand that this boat is going like this in the water? Have you seen a boat when it moves out in the water everywhere? It doesn't stay in one spot, even if you have the anchor down. It still moves around with the wind. 
It's not the magic of, boy, they should have just thrown the nets on the other side. It's because the unlimited God who gives you unlimited resources says so. And you heard him. Because he was teaching, you were in the crowd, but you were more than the crowd. I'm not angry. You were a disciple. You were not just a believer, but you were a follower. Do you see the difference? Do you see that when he launches them in, go out in the deep waters? He sees the nets. It says he sees their nets. He knows what that is. And and this is where, listen, we need to trust God with the details. And the next one here, I need to see the old things in a new way. It's the same boat. It's the same job. But God is saying that you need to do it again. Because I'm telling you, now I'm in charge of your life. Peter's been following him this whole time. You know, following him, trying to get a grip. I think it's a Messiah. I think it's here. You see it in the Gospel of John. But he's not left everything yet. And and here, here we see this totally materialize. His brothers already took the step. His brother's the one, Andrew, who found him. And, and he gets to this place and it's like the same boat, the same nets, the same job, but I'm going to, I gave you the lesson, now you're going to apply it and you're going to be so blessed. Now watch this. And he sees it and throws out the nets and catches so much fish. I need to see the old things in a new way. I need to see it. I, I need a new perspective. I need a new viewpoint. I need a new angle. I need kingdom glasses on. Amen? Amen. Listen, some of you guys were raised with evolution, and you cannot imagine that there is no evolution, but there is no evolution. (laughs) I get it. Yeah, but my teacher said it, and science teacher, I see Stephen Hawking talking about, is he smarter than everybody? No, he's not. He's not smarter than everybody. And it, it doesn't matter. You can take any one subject and just go crazy on that subject, you'll know more than everyone else. Did you know that? On average, they say if you take any topic that you're interested in and spend three to five years totally dedicated toward that topic, that you will become an expert in the world. Did you know that? People go, really? Three weeks? No, three years. (laughs) But I only have the attention span of three years. Yeah, you will not be the master of anything. (laughs) How many want to be a master of something? Come on, you want to be a master of something? Me too. I want to be a master of a bunch of things. Three years, four years, five. I used 25, 30, 45 years. I'm good. I'm learning. Hey, I'll be a master of 10 things. Amen? We need a new viewpoint. We need a new focus. Sometimes you're, you've been looking at the same thing, but you've lacked focus. It, it, it's not a, a it's, it's the mindset that God's changing. It's It's not just an act of the flesh where you go, oh, I'm going to look harder. Sometimes you get different glasses, the new perspective, and this last one here, he gives you a new heart. David cries out all the time. When he blew it with Bathsheba, he didn't say, oh, Lord, make me have different self-control now. I want to stop this. Don't make me go after the Bathshebas in the world. No, he said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Change my heart. Because you'll still see, you might still get a glimpse of her showering, but guess what? You're you're not going to be drawn to it because you're going to be a man focused on your purpose, which is a man of war. 
that he was a man conquering things for God's people. And the minute he stepped out of the battle, all of a sudden he was open to everything. And that's what, this is what happens, men, this is what happens. You're not focused on mission. You're not living according to purpose. You're drifting around. Of course, all those things are going to appeal to you. Right? Come on, men, can you relate to me? Come on. Men, say with me, say, I need to focus on mission. I need to focus on mission. Be proactive in your mission. You won't have time for the other stuff. Be focused on mission. Amen? Make my heart clean. And then the last one on this point here is maybe you just need a new season in life. Some of you, and and remember, God, Jesus, through the power of God here, is going to give him connection to an unlimited power, but he's going to give him a the way he's going to do it, he's going to say, you know this job that you've been at, Peter, for a long time? You know how you've been going out your nets and you work super hard, but you yield low results and you're always frustrated about it? Yeah, give me more blessing, give me more blessing. He's going to come to tears in this because he's going to realize he's found some kind of favor with God that he didn't earn. That's what grace is. That's why it's hard for religious people to understand that because they're always calculating what they think they earned. And so to get more, they try to work even harder to earn more because they don't realize that the Spirit came to them through the work of Christ and not through the work of man. Amen? And so they keep, they keep furthering it, and so sometimes God has to bring them even lower so that they finally understand it. And trust me, he does it with kings. He does it with religious leaders. It doesn't matter who you are. God will not back down. <laughs> I'm telling you, he will not back down. But he's bringing him into a new season. Listen, how many of you could use a new season in your life? Listen, whatever it was, forget what season we're in now. We're in some kind of summer season. Think about seasons of life. How many are sick of the winter you've been facing? It's, it's been a heavy winter. And God is saying, I want to do something new. I'm going to take you in your job and I'm going to overwhelm you. But that is not an encouragement to stay there. It's an encouragement to follow me, to leave everything and follow me. That's what it is. It's a new power. You're going to be connected to an unlimited call, unlimited power. It's, it's sad for me when I hear kids and they go, what are you going to do? I'm going to meet with my counselor at school. Yeah, okay. And they're going to tell me what, what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. So they take this test. And they look at the org chart and the Excel spreadsheet that the teacher made up. Why have the world instruct you? No offense. It could be helpful to help you in some skill set. But your calling needs to come from God. Yeah. You know? My, 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 uh, not to expose my daughter, but you know, she was at the youth camp. And you know, the youth camp has a talent show. And, and she, she was saying about the singing. My, my wife asked her. She goes, well, she goes, did you sing? And she goes, no, no, I didn't sing. Why? And she goes, I know what my talent's for. My talent's for God. And I, and I thought, honey, you still need to get in there and try to win that contest. <laughs> Come on, how many parents could relate to this? Right? Come on. <laughs> She's like, didn't bother at all. She goes, no. She goes, my, my, my voice, God gave me my voice for his glory. And I thought, good, that's, that's the right thing to do. She must be adopted somehow. I don't know. (laughs) 
I messed things up and then Jody compensated. You know, that somehow that's <laughs> happened. Now, how many know that God, if you, something good's going, it's God? Amen? Amen. A new challenger. I, I want to tell you right now that the new challenge God may have to you, it's not just a different location. They stayed in the same state. They stayed in the same place. I'm not saying God isn't telling, taking you somewhere. But I'm just saying you need to hear the voice of the Lord. Are you a risk taker? It takes a lot of guts, right? But it really takes the grace and glory of God to open your heart and mind where you'll take that step. You take that step. Most people can't stay in a church for more than a three, four weeks. I mean, we, we, have, we have so many loyal people. I'm not talking to us. I'm just saying in general. Most people can't stay connected to a body very long because they're looking for the first circumstance where they don't feel good or, or something came against them or, or some relationship didn't work out. You will never find that place. How many have had a relationship issue with someone in our church? Come on, I have. Come on, the rest of you here are lying. You're standing next to them, right? How many had a relationship problem in the world? How many had a relationship with a Christian problem with a Christian before? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up if it was inside the church that you were attending. I'm just trying to find new ways to have you admit this. <laughs> right? And the thing is, I, I tripled the amount of hands by manipulating you to protect your ego, right? That's, that's the, only, the only way it could work. <laughs> My wife said to me, she goes, you should do a talk show. And I go, I would not do a talk show because I would be knocked off that talk show by every... They go, can you believe what he said this week? That's how it would be. How many, again, how many need new purpose? Raise your hand. Okay, put your hand down. How many need just not just the purpose? You already know the purpose you're going, but you need a new challenge within it. Come on, a new challenge. Just, don't, you're not raising your hand to me. I'm just seeing who's acknowledging, but it's to the Lord. You're, you're saying to the Lord, Lord, I need a new challenge. How about this? How many of you need either a gift that you have that's been dormant, revitalized, or you're saying, God, I need some new gifts? It's okay to desire the gifts. Maybe there's something you're going, Lord, I, I'm, I'm missing this. Lord, I need a prophetic edge. Or, Lord, I need to have a better teaching gift or an insight. How many of you need an increase or a revitalizing of a dormant gift? Come on, raise, raise your hand. I'll close my eyes. Raise your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, I need this. I need this from you. And this is, you guys, look at me. This is the connection to the unlimited God. He brought us to this day. This is a message for our body. This is a message for us to respond to. Lord, give me that new season. You can be part of an old season that went bad and not realize that you were part of it, that you contributed to it. I've had that happen where the Lord goes, I'd go, well, that was a tough season because of them. And he goes, because of them and because of you. And I go, Lord, are you talking to someone else in the room? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the Lord starts to expose my heart. If you'll just humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up. Just humble yourself before the Lord. Okay, let's talk about this unlimited life. When they had done so, I want you to see that. We see it. And then they did it. 
They did it. They caught the lesson, and then they acted on it. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. In other words, whenever you were holding resources in, you cannot have that as your holding tank anymore. Once you become a believer, you have to understand you are an open conduit that can't hold on to stuff anymore. (laughs) This is why giving is so important. If you are constantly hoarding money, you will never have enough money because you'll always be holding and counting it all. And God is very against that. Look at David with the numbers. He starts counting his men, and God goes, you shouldn't have counted them. I told you not to keep track of it. But I needed to know. I needed to know when I could retire, and I don't know how many golf games I could play per week. Listen, do you want, how many want an unlimited life? Then it's connected to not a net that you built or bought but it's connected to something that can break those nets over and over and over again. I, I told you about a, a guy that we know in Haiti who's, he plasters one of the largest churches out there. He just started in the, the slum of the city and he brought his guitar and he wasn't very good. It was, I'm serious, he wasn't very good. It wasn't like that you go, wow, he's so amazing. Let's get him on YouTube. no. He could barely sing. He was like, okay. But he would sing there for like 10, 15 minutes, and then he'd preach the gospel to whoever would listen for 10 or 15 minutes. In one year, that turned into about 500 people crowding around. In the next couple years, it turned into 10 to 12,000 people. So much so that the local Catholic church there that had so much land, the priest came to him and he said, I know you're a follower of God. We haven't done anything with this. We want to give you this land. From now on, this is your land. This is a true story. I could tell you stories like this over and over and over again. And as long as you have hope in your nets and you're looking at the nets, there will be no big fish. But why don't you just kick back, head to the shore, and listen to Jesus, and wait till he tells you. You don't say, and I have this big call to go out in the deep waters. We don't need to hear about your big call. Wait till Jesus tells you. Then everyone else will know too. And he'll send you out to the deep waters, and you'll throw the nets, maybe just on the other side of the boat. And listen, such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And as I read the scripture, I was writing the unlimited life and I realized that I had made a mistake. That it's not that. And I put a correction there. It's an unlimited shared life. Because look, it says, so they signaled their partners. Everyone say it with me. Say the other boat. There's the other boat. There's the other boat over there. Because once you're tapped into unlimited resources, you're not the person who's thinking about your call and your person anymore. You're knowing that you're connected to unlimited power. There's something about the confidence of men and women of God who realize this reality. Because they think differently. How many say amen? Amen. They think differently because they know that there's plenty to go around. They asked them to come help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. 
I want the blessed life. Get ready to have your nets broken. I really want to be blessed. Wait to have your boat sinking now. (laughs) That's the answer. That's where it gets. It's an unlimited shared life. And how does Peter respond? How, How do we respond? When I knew Jody was going to marry me, I thought, this can't be. (laughs) She's too good for me. (laughs) Lord, keep her blinded all the way through the wedding, please. (laughs) When she says, I do, Lord, don't let her get LASIK or anything else. Keep her super blinded until that time. You you know, I look at my kids now. I'm so blessed with my kids. I love my kids. You know, I I was watching. Sometimes I'll watch and I'll see some of the kids raised in our church and I see that they're walking with God and I'm happy. I'm happy. I I was really sad for Thayer in my heart. I love the Kelly family so much. Lee's really one of my closest friends here. And and, and I I thought, oh, such a deep thing. But one happy thing I thought was Thayer's in the presence of God. Right? There's something, there's something about being blessed that gets so overwhelming. And I love, you can tell that Peter's saved because a saved person realizes their wretchedness, right? Well, the reformer who wrote that amazing grace song, right, on, on the boat as he's journeying off and all the things, how many know that his past was full of just awful, terrible things that he had done. If you'd seen the movie Amazing Grace, it gives you a little bit of a glimpse of it, but, but we see him as this great writer and who he wrote and what an incredible song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You know, the, that's the person you go, that person saved But when I meet the person, they go, well, you know, I really feel like I'm going to start getting my life right with God. I'm going to start coming to church now. Boy, we need to get this guy saved. (laughs) They think think it's all good. I'm thinking, I don't know if they're saved. Because, listen, if, if you're from the LDS faith, isn't that how it was there? Right? It's time to get going. It's time to rise up your integrity and choose the right thing and get a ring. But it's not going to be enough. Listen, I don't mean to be insulting. I'm insulting ourselves. Listen, there's nothing wrong with choosing the right things. But if it's not done in the integrity of the Lord, it'll be done in the platitudes of men. And it won't have the same outcome. That's why Peter falls on his knees. Look what he says. Go away from me. It's like what he says is he says, you're pouring this blessing. This is what we wanted. This is what, this is my heart's desire. And you did it. You see me. You see me. If you see me, you see everything. You've got to get away. You can't, you can't be near this. Understand that Jesus' journey wasn't to break their nets, it was to go to the cross. That was the goal. To fulfill all law and prophets and prophecy and to fulfill it in him. Not to preach it, but to fulfill it. To complete all righteousness till it is finished. How many say amen? Amen. This is the greatness. Go away from me, I'm a sinful man. And all his, they were still amazed or astonished or blown away that this had happened, but none like Peter. 
This is too much to happen. And I love Jesus' response. He says this all the time. How many know you hear this all the time from Jesus? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I've got a new purpose. You want the new challenge? You want the new season? You want this? And this is the Holy Spirit response. This is how you know you have the Holy Spirit. It's, it's one of the, it's, if you have your faith in Christ, I don't want to overdo it, but this is one of the responses that the Holy Spirit naturally gives you, spiritually, naturally, is that you can't keep sinning because it starts to drive you crazy. You hate it. How many would say, I hate my sin? Come on, raise your hand and say, I hate my sin. You hate your sin because you see where it is. He knows I'm a sinful man. Understand, this is the same Peter who's going to heap curses. Have you heard someone curse themselves? You can't believe that. He cursed himself on heaps on top of him. And he's the first one. Go tell the disciples and Peter that I have risen. Make sure you tell Peter. Peter needs to know. Because Peter's going to write a bunch of books and Peter's going to be crucified upside down. He's going to go to a place where he wasn't going. He's going to spread the life of the church and he's going to be blessed in everything that he does. And he's going to have an incorruptible God surround him. His corruptibility. An imperishability around his perishability. The un... The incredible God. How many say amen? Amen. From now on, you will fish for people. You got King James, it probably says fish for men. It's fish, you're going to be fishers. Fishers of men. Mankind. Do you hear it? Do you hear his voice? Do you hear him? So they pulled their boats up on shore. Remember, the crowd is still the crowd. You're always going to have the crowd. But listen, the disciples pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. Are you ready to leave everything? Just say, Lord, I want to follow you. God, I'm not saying, because I don't believe that God's saying to you, sell your house, get rid of your car. He may be, he may be. But I believe the Lord's saying, I don't want you to look at your boat the same way. I don't want you to look at your nets the same way. I want you to be open to every new challenge that I give you because you're going to be my follower. How many say amen? Hey, how many are glad you came to church today? Come on, come on. Praise God. Thank you, Father God. I'm going to close. Listen to Jesus. Do what he says. Then leave everything and follow him. You're going to be blessed. How many can admit right now that you're the sinful man? That even though you've been rejuvenated, you're still struggling with the sinful man. How many, come on, admit it. Just say it. I'm the sinful man. But then just say, but I'm a follower of Jesus now. I'm a saint of God. Amen? Amen. Just say it. I'm a saint of God. I'm a saint of God because I'm a follower. Because Christ has redeemed me. Father, I thank you for your spirit, for your power. Lord, I, I believe this message was meant to go out to this group today. I believe you made that clear in my heart. 
Lord, that you were going to take it and do deep, deep things in it. Let what the Spirit spoke to you right now. It got, it got some distance in your heart right now. I want you to open it up more. Open up your heart more and let it seep in. Talk about it later with your spouse, with your family, with your friend. And say, the Lord spoke to me. He's wanting me to follow him in a deeper way. This is what I'm going to leave. This is what I'm going to stop. This is maybe my perspective is going to change. Don't make me invent something for you. I'm just trying to spark a listening heart. And so, Father, we listen with our hearts. We open up to what you want to do. If that's you, just if you responded, just say, yes, Lord. Just raise your hand. Say, Lord, I'm not looking. Just between you and God, say, Lord, I heard you. I heard you. I'm responding. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let it go deeper. I'm going to let it go richer. Maybe you've never put your faith in Christ alone before. He died on the cross. I'll have our base camp team come up. But Jesus died on the cross. You need your sins forgiven. You've been working hard religiously, but you've never received forgiveness for everything in your life. It's a forgiveness for what your life is. What your whole life represented a sinfulness before God and you need a forgiveness for that life if that's you just look up at me right now raise your hand and just say pastor that's me I want, I want to agree with you in prayers anybody at all here in this first service amen and amen amen anyone else back there okay father I thank you for these and I just speak the forgiveness of God to you will you just you right, who raise your hand but everyone can say it with them just say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me. And just say, I receive it. Don't. This isn't a yet, you may take it or may not. Just say, thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you. I am forgiven. It doesn't matter what it is that you did. The list could be 10 pages or two pages. Just say, Lord, thank you for forgiveness. Now you don't need to be ashamed of it anymore. Just bring it out into the light. Just say, hey, you can share with somebody later, someone you trust and say, Hey, I, I got forgiveness from God today. And this is what, this is some of the things I've done. And they're forgiven. The people may not feel the same way. But I'm telling you before God, which is what matters, you'll be forgiven. You are forgiven. And now allow the Spirit of God to dwell in you. Just invite Him in. Say, come Holy Spirit. Fill me, Lord, with your power says we're justified by faith we have peace with God through whom we've gained access into the grace in which we now stand and we get that through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us in Romans 5 say thank you for the spirit Lord thank you for your spirit fill me if you need more prayer I'm going to give you some time right now just to come forward and say Lord I need direction in this new challenge this new purpose this new direction have one of our leaders pray for you let them maybe get a prophetic word for you or um, just an encouragement to your mindset. Just come on forward right now and let the Lord minister to you. And maybe just a real simple thing and just tell them, say, I need a new perspective or I need a new power. Some of you need new power. Do not be afraid and stay in your seat. If you need new power from God, God is asking you to walk forward. He wants to see you take steps so you know that it's real. And he wants you to know that it's God that's doing it, not you. 
not your right positioning and just say, I need new power. I need new, I need gifts. Some of you have gifts that you need. You, you know you have it, but you don't know how to exercise it. It's not just another class that you need. Equipping can help, but sometimes it's just an anointed time where God unleashes something. And some of you, God has brought you to a new season. It's, it's a brand new season right now. And the Lord's saying you need to embrace it. Don't let fear hold you where you've been. Okay? I don't, I don't know what area it is. It could be, you know, maybe you just moved here or maybe, um, you know, you've been um, dormant in the same kind of ministry over and over again and God is saying, I'm doing something new. And that's you answer that. Come forward and just let them know. No one else is going to know about it. Just you and someone praying for you in the Lord. Father, I thank you for your mercy and your power. I thank you for these. I pray that you anoint them in a special, unique way. Unlimited power. An unlimited gifting according to your purposes and needs. A new sense of direction. A new perspective on how things are in your world, Lord. And I pray for a release of that in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, anything that I may have said that came from the flesh that didn't help people, Lord, I pray that you would just erase it from their minds. And I pray for a release of your grace. Thank you for the kids. And bless them and bless the churches around us, Lord. In Jesus' name. If you agree out there, say amen. Amen. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week. God bless.